0: Welcome to Break Bias. I'm your host Brad Kramer. It's the 80th episode and I'm here after the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix and the curtain has closed on F1 in 2023. Well, besides the young driver's test, but it ended the way it started with Max Verstappen on top. But before we get to Yas Marina action, First, a quick reminder to check out the link tree in the description. It has links to pages like all the platforms you can find this podcast, like my YouTube channel, Break bys Twitter and TikTok. It has my email address if you'd like to contact me, as well as my personal Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Now, let's talk about the final Grand Prix weekend of the season. Now, Vegas, uh, that review was uh, a completely different format, but we're going back to... More of my traditional way, and that is starting with the team that uh, stole the headlines, and once again, it was Red Bull. I mean, this is going to be difficult because I've said many times on this podcast that people are running out of good things to say about what Red Bull has done this season, and not just the team, but also Max Verstappen Um, I've also made clear many times on this show that I am a Lewis Hamilton fan you know it broke my heart in 2021 to see Max Verstappen win a championship I was rooting against him the entire season yet I am not a fake fan I can appreciate um, greatness no matter who it comes from And uh, that is exactly what Red Bull has achieved this season, as well as Max Verstappen. I mean, this will go down in history as the greatest Formula One season, honestly, in my opinion, more so by a driver than by a car. I I truly believe that um, there is still a debate to be had about... Uh, you know, what was the best machinery in Formula One history? You know, uh, the Ferraris of the Michael Schumacher days. Um, I believe, I, I want to say it was 2002 where he finished on the podium in every single race. Um, something, it was something along those lines. Uh, of course the MP44, I think that was the 88 McLaren. It was 88 or 89 with Prost and Senna. Um, that of course won't be a driver season just because they were, uh, so so close uh, on pace um, the FW14B of course is an, another Adrian Newey machine that was absolutely incredible and the list goes on, there's been plenty of cars in history that have uh, proved to be extremely dominant, I actually don't think that it is clear cut that the RB19 is the best Formula 1 car ever made however, I do think that Objectively, you have to look at this season as um, as the best season a driver has ever had in Formula One. Um, you know, Max Verstappen just broke an insane amount of records this season. You know, the consecutive wins record is now his. He beat Alberto Ascari's 60 year old record of the best winning percentage of a season the man had 13 races in that season was it fewer 11 something so small and he won obviously a lot of them but he had such a high percentage because there were so few races that he you know I don't think there was much of a development race going on back then Um, so that Ascari season I think is mostly forgotten by a lot of people just because of how old it is but To beat that record that has stood for this long is incredible. To do it over the course of 23 rounds. I mean, Verstappen with an 80, I think it was 6% win percentage this season. He won all of the races, but three. He led 1,000 laps. You know, I said that to my girlfriend after uh, I heard that stat. I was like, did you know that I spent this year Watching Max Verstappen lead a Formula One race for 1,000 laps, I was like, "Imagine what I could have done <laughs> over that time. How productive I could have been as a, as a person or as a boyfriend." Um, and she was like, "Wow, yeah, you uh, you, <laughs> you certainly could have uh, spent your time better." Um, so that that was funny, but it just again ridiculous. I think he actually. Didn't quite beat the record for the most consecutive laps led, but he's in like the top three there. And I honestly could go on and on and on and on about how many wins he had this season. Um, He still achieved the most pole positions, even though that Red Bull wasn't the greatest qualifier. That Sector 3 in Monaco was incredible. That Miami win was insanity. Um, So many moments throughout this season that uh, even when things looked to be complete under complete control for max verstappen um he still managed to just show how incredible he is i think the lack of mistakes is insane um you know miami qualifying was a mistake but then he completely makes up for it in the race um i i struggle to find examples of where else he had made mistakes i think he maybe had a couple moments in FP1s and whatnot, but like that's the time to make them, I guess, right? And and never did he crash his car in any session. Uh, the estimations of damages, uh, people like to post those after um, every race and, and at the end of the year, and uh, it's estimated that Red Bull had to spend the least amount of money repairing his car. So it's just... It was a perfect season. If there ever will be... A perfect season. This is it. I don't think this will ever be replicated by anyone else, not named Max Verstappen, unless Red Bull can take another big step ahead of next year. Who's to say it doesn't get worse? Honestly, I you know I want to be optimistic that the fight will continue to get better and uh, the development race. You know everyone will kind of start to reach their max potential. So you know it's harder. I always say it's harder to find. Um, it's it's almost harder to find the last few tenths of a concept than it is to find the whole first second of it. You know, I th- like the McLaren upgrade um, to go down the right path and then see this massive um, performance gain was incredible, no doubt. But I think the difficult part, same with Aston Martin, you know, over the winter they, they make this big change and all of a sudden they're they're competitive. The difficult part is that last little bit to catch up to Red Bull. Um, and you know, so it might be difficult for, um, you know, the Milton Keynes team to continue to make rapid gains. So naturally the field should close, but I wouldn't put it past them. I think these regulations are still somewhat new. They're on the newer side. Um, and I think there could be even more potential in this RB 19, Anyway, I am sort of uh ranting, you know, I didn't write anything down besides just give Red Bull their props, so this is all just at the top of my head and that's really all I got to say about their season. It was remarkable. Max Verstappen was insanely good, probably one of the best um most impressive performers I've ever seen in a sport in any season. Um and I follow a lot of sports, you know, I I've I've witnessed um some pretty incredible things uh you know looking at Connor McDavid in the NHL just just the past season Patrick Mahomes putting up 5000 passing yards and 50 touchdowns you know I've I've watched these sort of seasons um the 73 and 9 Golden State Warriors NBA team Stephen Curry what he did that season 400 three-pointers I I could name a whole bunch more but I know most of you probably don't know what I'm talking about or or, or don't care because you're Formula 1 fans. Um, the point is, this is... What he's done this season um, is bigger than even just Formula 1. As a sportsman, this is so commendable. Um, but I think we got to start talking about the other second driver. I've given Max Verstappen enough props, I think, um, because... Sergio Perez did, I think, finish the season pretty well. Um, You know, good performances in Brazil and Vegas, although what he did on the last lap in both of those um, was a little bit, not unacceptable, but uh, questionable. We'll we'll put it that way. Um, And obviously had plenty of poor moments this season. And, you know, even in qualifying, still struggled right until the last weekend of the season. But on race day, He did what he was supposed to do. He had a great race and it really was actually the quintessential Perez weekend, wasn't it? Because he struggled in qualifying and then on race day, he was great. He was sort of carving through the field at times. He was the quickest man on the track and then... We get this moment with Lando Norris where he he easily could have passed him, and he just kind of goes a little bit too deep into the apex, um, or into the corner and missed the apex. I should say, gets a five second penalty. He was not happy about it, and he had some choice comments for the stewards after the race because it certainly costed him a podium. Of course, what happened with Leclerc, he he wouldn't have probably caught up to Leclerc had uh, you know Leclerc not basically ceded the position to him. But he would have finished P3 and ended the season on the podium. Instead, he finished in fourth. And he was quite colorful after the race with his comments. Um, Basically, he absolutely ripped into the stewards. He said they're not Formula 1 level and that it was a joke and it's happened all season. I think he said something along those lines. It was... It was pretty harsh. Uh, I'm not sure if he threw in any like really insulting things just, just besides like questioning their uh, competence to be able to be a Formula One steward, which I mean is sort of harsh, I guess. Um, ended up just being a warning and he did apologize to the stewards. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it, it's kind of one of those things where, you know, in other sports as well, we see, uh, you know, athletes be critical with the referees quite often, whether it's to their face during the game or to the media shortly after the game. Um, But this is a little bit different because even though it is broadcast for all the people to hear, he was not in any way talking to the referees. He was talking, or the stewards in this case, um, he was talking to his team and basically telling his team that the stewards are a joke. And um, it's not a private conversation because team radio is public but it does feel a little bit different as if like you know he's not really addressing the stewards at all he's he's complaining to his team about it and then we just so happen to hear his complaints um but yeah honestly i i i think he could have received a fine or a, a written warning you know it's from the stewards anyway i think is is probably appropriate and of course it shouldn't be tolerated. You you know, these people are volunteering after all, even though I have said for quite a while that I don't think formula One steward stewarding should be paid or sorry, they should be volunteers. They should be paid and they should probably be, be rotating or, you know, I would be totally fine with like a rotating, uh, stewards room for all the European races, a rotating stewards room for, uh, the Americas, like from Canada to Brazil, um, if it's the same stewards there or even perhaps rotating ones, I don't know, but I, I don't even care how many stewards there has to be. Um, they should be, you know, they should be paid, I think. Um, and I do think having new ones for each race, I know that's not the case, but, um, new ones for each race could potentially be an issue because then that's where, you know, inconsistencies can pop up but I don't think it's really possible to have the same stewards at every race so I kind of understand um, you know there being some sort of uh, uh, different sort different crews I should say at different races um, so it's, it's a difficult one but anyway I don't actually have that much to say about Pariss' comments uh, if you want to listen to them yourself uh, they'd be easy to find um, on Twitter or on YouTube. Or X, I should say. Um, but, yeah, I, I know it's hard for me to give an opinion on it because I, I sort of feel for him. Um, however, I do think it was a penalty. I've always been a little bit critical of of um, drivers complaining into that corner, I think, ever since 2021. To me, I, I've seen these situations pretty clearly it's so easy to want to dive down the inside of that corner um but if you don't give the driver on the outside enough space to be able to turn in and make the corner on the on the inside of the second part of the chicane then i don't think you're giving sufficient racing room i think in 2022 that happened with lewis and signs i believe and i think lewis wanted to just take avoiding action and then he ran over over the curb and he was a little bit too um Conservative, I guess in that scenario, like he did actually have the room to turn. However, I would argue to the death that in 2021 on the opening lap, Verstappen certainly did not give him enough room. And Lewis was probably thinking, you know, with the mindset that over the distance of the race, he was going to be the faster driver. And if they both crashed out, then Max would win the championship. So he could not take the risk. The people were that were complaining about that. Sure, maybe Lewis gained an advantage, um, and, you know, and gained some time. But ugh, whatever, don't run him off the track. Then don't, you know. Anyway, I, I'm going off on a tangent, and it's so easy for me to uh, get uh, frustrated with the 2021 results. I've fought tooth and nail with myself to try to never bring it up. Um, but now uh, that that penalty that. Perez did get at that corner, ended up playing a huge role in probably the primary Constructors fight that everyone was watching, and that was between Ferrari and Mercedes, so now I will sort of move into a, a, still staying somewhat traditional, but instead of taking it team by team, I'm going to take it battle by battle, so the next, the big three Constructors battles that were going on, I'm going to break them down now, starting with ferrari and mercedes going into this weekend i expected mercedes to be at least on par with ferrari and tire dag was concerning me a little bit for the ferrari so i thought maybe at the end of stints mercedes would be able to uh make some inroads on them because i fully expected ferrari to be right up at the sharp end in qualifying it ended up being A little bit more um, Max Verstappen dominant than I actually expected. Um, And I did not expect Carlos Sainz to be completely out in Q1. A really tough weekend for him. Race pace and quality pace just wasn't there. Where Leclerc, I thought, was was brilliant. So he really carried Ferrari here. And he almost did it single-handedly with... P2 in the race, you know, he started the race from P2 and was right on Verstappen's tail for quite some time. Of course, at the end of stints, Verstappen always just breaks away. And then um, just because he has the optimal, you know, tire degradation, I always find that he's able to just basically run the quickest strategy and it won't matter. Uh, is especially also with his uh, um, the way he overtakes is just so easy. So It was always going to be Verstappen, like we all know. Um, So Leclerc really did do the maximum here. Um, So he had to go up against Lewis and George. And, of course, George was quicker than Lewis the entire weekend, was better in qualifying, was better in the race. Um, But it did almost slip away from George in the end. um, Had it not been for that Sergio Perez penalty, Ferrari would have taken P2 in the constructors because George Russell would have fallen three points. They would have been level on points to end the season and Carlos Sainz's win would have been the difference um, looking at the count back. So that would have been a pretty crazy scenario, but ultimately George Russell did secure P3 and um, well... Made 2,500 people back at the factory happy, I think is the quote from Total Wolf. Um, I'm going to have more on that in just a second. I want to get to some other things first. Um, As for Lewis, he had a pretty turbulent race. um, Complained about the car for most of the weekend. Didn't really seem to be at one with it. At all. Uh, at moments, on the first time he was on the hards, he actually was very rapid. Toto was saying he was the quickest on the track, and even though he was just matching Max Verstappen, he wasn't really lying. It's just, just trying to motivate his driver, I think. But then, once he put on the hards the second time, it seemed he had no pace. He, you know, passed Fernando with the, you know, the whole brake test thing, which I think, was again a little bit overblown. It was just Alonso trying to take the DRS from Lewis, and it was a bit of a failed attempt because Lewis was too far back for for that to work um and again people were criticizing Lewis cuz it was the same sort of thing in 2021 in Jeddah where uh you know Max brake to let Lewis through and it was kind of the same thing here with Fernando and instead of Lewis just taking the open gap he you know stayed on the back of, of Max and I think both times it was the exact same Lewis knows that He wants the DRS to just overtake uh, on the straight. He doesn't, you know, need to play these games, Um, so it's it really it was a cool nothing burger with alonso to me um he overtakes alonso though and then is immediately re-overtaken by fernando um and fernando kind of drove off from there it really wasn't much of a fight lewis's pace was very slow uh yuki Sonoda was on a one-stop strategy and was kind of falling back at the tail end of the race as his tires fell off and lewis had an opportunity to you know pass yuki on the final lap and make the uh make the whole Sergio Perez penalty situation and whether he got five seconds clear of George a uh, completely irrelevant. If he just t- overtakes Yuki Tsunoda, none of it matters. Mercedes has P2 and he goes too deep into the, uh, the big left-hander at the end of the second back straight and gives the position back to Yuki Tsunoda and George Russell, you know, eventually he had to, uh, or ultimately had to keep the five-second gap to Perez to uh secure the position for Mercedes and the constructors. So yeah, Lewis just really bad. It, it, one of his worst weekends of the season, honestly in my opinion. Um so uh just a shame to see him end the season that way. And I think he was pretty down on himself, uh evidenced by his post race comments. Um as much as I I do feel For him, in a a sense, you know, he's getting up there. He hasn't won since the 2021 incident. Um, These have been two tough seasons for Mercedes. They expect to be better. Um, You know, I'm sure George Russell is also not very happy that he had to run around in the Williams for the longest time. And then as soon as he gets promoted, the car is not as competitive as it once was. So I do think it's been a tough two times, a tough two years for Mercedes. I know a lot of people would say, well, Lewis, you've had the fastest car in Formula 1 for more than half of your career, so um, you shouldn't complain. Um, but to me, the more disappointing part of his comments were actually when he said that he wasn't looking forward to next year. And yes, he is right. He is right to say that Red Bull won the final race of the season by 17 seconds, and they haven't touched their car since August and, you know, other teams have been developing to try to catch up and it's still a breeze for Red Bull. He is absolutely right. But think about all the people back at the factory. It was an opportunity to, I think, be a leader in the team and and motivate them to, you know, try and push forward and say, you know, We're getting we're maybe not we're getting there. I don't know really what needs to be said, but it was just a very depressing answer. And I don't know if that was really what the team needed. Um, He did have some words of motivation, you know, on social media afterwards and and whatnot. But I feel like that was an opportunity in the media pen to, uh, you know, be a little bit more optimistic than so pessimistic. But uh, anyway, I do want to move on to this final thing about this Ferrari and Mercedes battle. Um, And it's really nothing to do with the battle. I I feel like I've already kind of broken that down. Um, It it was what was going on on social media afterwards. And it was in reference to... That Toto wolf quote saying that George Russell made twenty five hundred fan or twenty five hundred uh, people at the factory happy. Um, you know, I think he said it was like that's mortgages and and kitchens and something else, <laughs> random stuff that you know average people pay for. It was, just, it was kind of a funny list of things from Toto. But anyway, Lewis Hamilton fans. I mean, seriously, I know I'm one of them, but the Colts like fans that let's be honest, Verstappen has too. But Hamilton absolutely has them. Some of these fans are absurd, and they are an embarrassment. I'm sorry. Like it, it, there are times where I look at Twitter and I'm like, like I hate that. I hate that I have to be associated to this nonsense. They are coming after Lewis's teammate because the team principal praised him for securing the result for the team. George Russell did secure the result in Abu Dhabi for Mercedes. He is the one that gave them, you know, the, the extra $10 million in the end. Sure. Lewis Hamilton had a better season overall. And that's why all the Lewis Hamilton fans had to come to defend their driver and say, Oh yeah, well just a reminder that George Russell finished P eight and had the worst season of his career. And Lewis Hamilton was actually third in the constructors behind both of our third in the drivers behind both of the Red Bulls. Oh my God. Like seriously, it's a George had a great drive. Lewis was trash. Uh, he, Sorry, that's maybe a little bit harsh, but he had a pretty bad weekend and he did almost throw away a great season and throw away a good result in the constructors with his performance on on Saturday and on Sunday. George Russell is the one that secured it for Mercedes. So can Lewis Hamilton fans, please, for the love of God, just give some respect to some drivers when they deserve it. It's not just the car. Max Verstappen was brilliant this season. George Russell did have a better race than Lewis this uh, this year. Overall, I would say George Russell was better in qualifying than Lewis this year. George Russell was the unluckier driver this year. Please, for the love of God, just be objective. I know. I I don't know why I'm getting mad about people on social media. It's never going to change, and it goes... Uh, for everything, not just Formula 1. But, man, that, that was bothering me. Now, moving on to McLaren and Aston Martin. I don't think there's a whole lot to break down here. I think we all knew that this one was going to have to be a McLaren shambles for Aston Martin to be able to pull this off. It was a pretty... um, It was a shock that Aston even had a chance to come back and retake P4. Um, Like I said last episode, uh, once McLaren was even in striking distance of Aston Martin. We thought this fight was over before McLaren had even passed them. Once McLaren got by, we thought it was a foregone conclusion and we're talking about how maybe they could catch up to Ferrari. That was nowhere near the case because McLaren had a few bad weekends. Aston had a bit of a, a revitalization or I don't know if that's really the right word, but, um, a bit of a comeback, but this one here, all four cars, they scored in the, in the points. um, it, it was a good race I think for for most of them. Um, but it was just clear that McLaren had more pace. I actually did expect a little bit more from McLaren. I thought that um had Lando and Oscar qualified us a little bit higher, I thought they could even double podium in the race or at least Lando would be right up there with Leclerc and, and whatnot. But it did see, it did feel like they were just a little bit lacking something. Um but yeah, that's really all I got to say on that one. Then moving on to AlphaTauri versus Williams. This one was always going to be Williams is probably not going to score, but can Alphatari score one big haul of points on the final race? And, of course, Yuki Tsunoda had a fantastic weekend. I don't think Daniel was was bad, Um I think he was a little bit unfortunate in qualifying and then picking up a little bit of, uh, not damage, but he had the tear off in his brake duct, which kind of ruined his strategy. So I feel like Daniel actually could have maybe fought Stroll for the back end of the points. Not sure he would have pulled it off, um, but he would have had a better chance of at least getting something for the team. Um, Ultimately, P10 still wouldn't have really helped them. Yuki Tsunoda, they tried him on the one stop. It didn't pan out. Um, well, I mean, I guess it did sort of pan out cause he did get a P eight, which is a great result for that team. Um, but it, 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 it they needed a lot. They needed a P six. Um, and that was always going to be a really, really tough ask when you have, of course, Red Bulls there. And then you have three top teams all in fights of their own. Um, so, or not three, sorry, four top teams. How can there be three? I mean, come on, um, that was always going to be a tough ask. So Yuki, you know, it was a great attempt. I think he drove brilliantly. Um, but, yeah, he needed more of some of the guys in the top teams like Aston Martin, McLaren, Ferrari, and Mercedes to have races more so like signs and Hamilton. Um, so, yeah, unfortunately, they fall short and they only pick up four points of the six they needed 8. So they only got half of the points they needed. Still a pretty good um little back half of the season for AlphaTauri if they just um were a little bit stronger in in the in the beginning, I think they would have taken P7 no problem, but they were arguably the slowest car on balance from the start of the season and that's a little bit unacceptable for that team if I if I had to guess. Um and the last thing just on AlphaTauri and Williams is I wanted to just talk about Logan Sargent, um, basically everything that happened post race on the team radio. First of all, I think he had a really nice message to the team, and and Val also replied uh, that Sargent, you know, thanked the team for the whole year and wants to keep working with them. Of course, he wants the seat. Um, he did actually, I think, have a pretty good end to the year, although he was the only driver to be clean swept in every single session this season, um, not including practice, of course. Just Qualifying and the race. Uh, Albon beat him in every single session. Um, but I think it was interesting to hear Vowels um, basically say that they look forward to continuing to work with him and that he's always going to be a part of the academy. However, they cannot confirm that he will be in the seat at this time. So we have gotten to the end of the season, and we still don't have 20 drivers for next season. We only have 19 the issue for Williams for me is who is going to be in that final spot. To me, it has to be between Sergeant and Felipe Drogovic. In fact, there was a young driver's test. um, Not sorry, not a young driver's test, basically a young driver's free practice though. um, For free practice one, every single team, I think had a young driver in one of their cars. Some had them in two and Felipe Drogovic was P2 in that session. So, um fair play to him. Uh he was faster than Lance Stroll over one lap on the soft, so really great stuff from him and I think that might have been his final, you know, push to try to get that Williams seat. But ultimately I think it's got to be Sargeant, right? I mean, he wasn't really really bad he wasn't Latifi bad um at points in the season I thought it was looking like there's no way he could come back um but in the end he was actually pretty close to Albon who was one of the stories of the season um Williams fell off a lot in the end so when you look at Sargent's result of course it doesn't look good but you have to compare him to his teammate and Sargent really was kind of running the same race as Albon just like two positions behind him like the whole way and that's pretty much what you would expect from a rookie I mean very very few times Piastri has been on the pace of Lando Norris over a race distance this year and yes Piastri did have qualifying moments because Piastri is a brilliant talent Um, you know the gap from him to Lando was also pretty massive so they're rookies they're not going to be world beaters unless they are a Charles Leclerc or a Max Verstappen or of course a Lewis Hamilton best rookie season of all time. I think sticking with Sergeant is the plan. I, I, I don't think bringing in Felipe is going to be a step up. So you might as well, you know, keep the guy that's been in your Academy, keep the guy that you're, you're already working with. Um, and I think there are a lot of pros to that. So yeah, I would stick with Sergeant if I were them, and that is also what I expect. They probably just need to go through a few ho- hoops before they can confirm that um, Vows isn't just going to make the decision on the spot. He's going to talk it over with people, so... Yeah, the results in the Grand Prix, though, are as follows. Max Verstappen ends the most dominant season of all time as a driver with his 19th victory in 2023. P2, Charles Leclerc, again, a brilliant end to his 2023 campaign. He took P5 in the drivers after some very early brutal luck and was almost in P4 if it wasn't for Fernando's late overtake over Yuki Tsunoda. P3 was George Russell, crazy that it really was only his second podium of the season since Spain, so it really was uh, a bit of a tough season for George, but he ended it on a high, and him and Lewis also were the only team to have their drivers finish level on qualifying sessions this season. Uh, I believe it was 11-11, to 11 or 12-12, to 12, uh, one of those two. Um, P4 Sergio Perez then it was the McLarens of Norris and Piastri in P5 and P6 P7 was Fernando Alonso not nearly enough to challenge McLaren but he did keep himself above Lando and Charles in the individual standings. so P4 is a pretty incredible result for a 42 year old driving an Aston Martin Um, Yuki Tsunoda's effort was valiant, but P8 wasn't enough for him to help his team get above Williams in the Constructors' standings. Still ties his second best result of the season, and he was the driver of the day. And then Lewis Hamilton, a pretty rough end of 2023 for him. He was in P9. And then P10, Lance Stroll ends the season with points in three straight races. He drove decent, but really nothing uh, special there. Then the driver's standings, we usually do the top 10, but because the season is now over, we will go through the whole thing. Of course, it is topped by Max Verstappen, 575 points, another record, of course. Sergio Perez, 285. That is quite the gap back. Verstappen did double his teammate, that is Pretty insane. Then Lewis Hamilton on 234 finishes best of the rest in P3. A decent margin to P4, who was actually tied. Alonso and Leclerc had 206 points. However, uh, Alonso and Leclerc had the same amount of P2 finishes. Alonso had more P3s, so he did take P4 on countback. Lando Norris just one point behind that pair. So a very close battle for those positions in the end signs also look to be maybe the favorite to grab P four. In the end, he scored zero points in this race, so just a little P7 finish, and he would have been uh, P4 as well because he would have won on countback with his win. Of course, he had a pretty pretty terrible weekend, so he finishes P7 in the end, just six points behind P4. Then George Russell quite a ways back, 25 points behind that battle. Of course, uh, seeing his teammate up in P3, that's going to hurt a little bit. Then it's a huge gap down to Piastri. He finished with 97 points. So, yeah, he did finish a whole 100 points back from Lando Norris. But still, I think people are going to look at this rookie season and be pretty impressed. Rounding out of the top 10 is Lance Stroll. Another huge gap to uh, his teammate. He had 74 versus Alonso's 206. So, yeah, another massive gap. Pierre Gasly and Esteban Ocon finished in order for the Alpines after that 11-12, and 12, 62 for Pierre 58 for Ocon and that makes me happy because I did have a future bet on Gasly to win that head-to-head battle so money for me and then further down I think another kind of best of the rest here, best of the back markers if you want to call it, uh, Alex Albon 27 points, a great season for him in the Williams, plenty of moments of, of, of really special qualifying practice sessions and And just race performances and and defending. Um, So I think he is absolutely one of the stories of the season. Following Albon was Yuki Sonoda with 17 points. A great end to his campaign. And and a great start to it as well. When he had the worst car on the grid, um, the P11s and, and P10s that he was scoring for the team were pretty impressive. Behind Yuki Tsunoda was Valtteri Bontas with 10, Nico Hulkenberg, a very very solid return to F1. Haas was definitely a lot more competitive at the beginning of the season is when he scored all his points in I think one race and one sprint. That I I I don't think I'm wrong, but maybe I'm missing like a 1P10 or something. Um so still to be 16th in the Haas a pretty solid job from Hülkenberg. Um, He did score uh, a good portion of his team's points. I think it was 75%. Daniel Ricciardo with six points. He finished just ahead of Joe. Um, Joe picked up more P9s and, and whatnot, where Daniel had the one solid result that got, scored him all of his points for the whole season. Um, so to score six and really not even race half the season is not too bad from the Aussie. Of course, Joe then is in P-18. And then Kevin Magnuson, a very, very tough start to the season when Haas was competitive, only three points. Um, still, he did score, I think, three P-10s. So he actually, I think, had more point-scoring performances than his teammate. They were all just for lower-paying positions. And then Liam Lawson actually found himself in the top 20 without even being... Um, really a driver this year. Um, So one P9 finish for him in Singapore gets him the spot over Logan Sargent, who finished P21 with one point in uh, the USA. And then, of course, Nick DeVries was the only driver to not score a point. So that is the driver's standings. Then we're going to look at the constructors now. Red Bull on 860 That is an astronomical number, and it could have been even higher had Perez uh, picked up more podiums, as he probably should have. Mercedes on 409 to Ferrari's 406, a three-point gap in the end between them. McLaren ended up making the gap between them and Aston Martin, pretty large, uh, 22 points there, 302 for McLaren, 280 for Aston. And then Alpine in complete no-man's land. They ended the season with 120. Williams staved off AlphaTauri, a three-point margin there as well. So 28 for Williams, 25 for AlphaTauri. And then Alpha Romeo and Haas, definitely the worst two teams of the season. Alpha Romeo, 16. Haas, 12. Now we'll get to the prize, demise, and surprise and a few other things before we wrap up. All right, now for the prize, demise, and surprise. This is not for the season. This is for the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. We'll have a season recap coming up on a separate episode. So this is just Abu Dhabi related. And the prize may surprise you. I'm actually going to go with AlphaTauri because, of course, they did not score the points they needed to overtake Williams in the Constructors' Championship. But I don't think that is a huge deal for them. I think the recovery to P8 was actually pretty good for them. They're, they were in P10 for the longest of the season uh, by far. Um, and I think the the competitiveness and the pace that they showed in this final round, they were one of the few teams that had upgrades until the final round of the season, I just think really bodes well for them looking into next year. I think um, they're going to look at this race. The fact, the fact that they ended the season with P8, um, They're going to look at that and be happier about that than they are going to be sad about the fact that they didn't achieve a a position in the constructors. So I also think Yuki Tsunoda's stock probably couldn't be any higher. I think people are looking forward to see what Daniel can do over the course of a season next year. I wouldn't be surprised if AlphaTauri could fight with Alpine next year. Yeah. I think that would be a pretty big step up for them, but I wouldn't be surprised if they could do it. So I'm going to give them the prize here because I think in the big picture, this was a successful race and a very good end to the season. The demise, I've already touched on it a little bit, but I think it's Lewis Hamilton, a really tough end of the season, a really poor performance um, this weekend. Uh, The comments he made afterwards, I wasn't happy about and just overall his demeanor I think was just bad for the team looking forward so yeah I don't I wasn't very impressed by really anything he did this weekend so I think he definitely takes the L uh and then the surprise of the weekend I think I'm gonna go with Carlos Sainz just a man who's been so consistent this season and is a pretty good team player I believe um just to see him struggle when uh, I think a pretty important position was on the line um you know, is, is kind of crazy to me. I would have definitely expected him to at least pick up some sort of points. Um, his retirement in the end was a little bit weird for already said, box, box, we have an issue. And then he just retired on the, on the penultimate lap. So that was strange, but yeah, very surprised to see him not in it. Um, it was also, I think awesome just on a, on a separate note to see, uh, Leclerc kind of pull a Carlos signs and, uh, you know, show that he really has, a the wherewithal to be thinking about constructor's positions from the cockpit and, and do some kind of crafty stuff with the strategy, like uh uh thinking about slipstreaming Perez to help him get the gap to to Russell and letting him pass and then potentially backing uh Char- or backing George up, but he knew that it was gonna that was gonna be difficult because then he couldn't concede the position to Perez. So um yeah, it was kind of cool to see Charles do that, and I think uh It was also interesting to see Toto praise Charles for not backing George up and being a a a sportsman, but um, you know, like trying to to secure the position for his team, but also doing it in a in a very sporting way. Before I wrap up here, I want to talk about two things very briefly. I'm not going to go into this too much, but there's a couple dramas that uh, were kind of circulating uh, around the paddock, and then also uh on social media before the race weekend had even really started and um well one one was on the track so we'll start with the one that was all about Lewis Hamilton going to Red Bull and Christian Horner saying to the media that Lewis approached uh him to drive at Red Bull and they said no and then Lewis said to the media that he had never approached uh Red Bull before or anyone in his camp and honestly I thought the whole thing was was just so stupid because Uh, clearly we're getting bored at the end of the season. We don't have much to talk about. Um, the way I see it was pretty clear. Um, it ended up being Anthony Hamilton. And I don't think that is, um, you know, a lie whatsoever. I don't think Christian is completely lying. Um, I think he said that Lewis did where it being in someone's, it it being someone in Lewis's camp, Christian would have just assumed that it was, you know, through Lewis himself and he just didn't want to, uh kind of incriminate himself by reaching out to Red Bull. Um, So I I personally don't think Christian lied. Of course, he can exaggerate things a little bit. Um, He is a good talker. But Lewis's reply also was a little bit self-incriminating because he said that he had not talked to Christian in years, but then he also said that he talked to Christian in the same reply, which is kind of strange. He was like, yeah, I just told him that. You know, congratulations on a good year. So have you talked to him or have you not? It was kind of a weird (laughs) reply. Um, But I also do believe Lewis to an extent. I don't think he would want to drive for Red Bull. I think he is going to retire at Mercedes. Um, So his dad reaching out about a Red Bull seat is kind of strange. But who knows what Hamilton even said. He may have said it half jokingly or just honestly, He could have said anything. The fact that he reached out and they could have just been like, oh, Lewis wants to drive for us. Who knows? We don't know the text messages and the whole debate was so dumb. Um, So I just wanted to say that. Now, if it happened, I would back Max Verstappen to beat him at this stage of Lewis's career and where Max is within the team. um, I don't think Lewis would stand a chance, although it would be a hell of a lot more exciting than what we have with Perez right now. And Lewis would definitely win some races and get some pole positions where Perez Barely did anything, um, and then the final one also is Red Bull related as well, and is the whole pit lane thing with Max Verstappen. This one is is just annoying because I don't understand why Max needs to barge his way through the pit lane to get out onto the track before everyone else. Like, dude, just be. Patient. It's not qualifying, okay? And qualifying, there are important places to be on the track. You don't want to be stuck in traffic. Sometimes you need the open, uh, you know, you need uh, open track to be able to warm your tires. Different story in practice. Just be patient, man. Don't don't be making dangerous moves and then blaming it on the Mercedes pair for for blocking you. I mean, dude, like that was just kind of ridiculous. And it was kind of proven by the fact that the stewards actually made it a rule now that you can't overtake in the Abu Dhabi pit lane. So again, another just stupid drama maker for no reason. And I have no idea why Max Verstappen can't wait literally 30 seconds for him to get out of the pits. But anyway, um, that's all I got for this episode. Um, but the pre wrap up I got for you here is just that, um, some news going forward about uh, what this podcast is going to look like during the off season. Um, So uh, we will have another breakies. I know that was a a very listened to and downloaded episode last year and a lot of you enjoyed it. So that will return. I don't have uh, a guest, you know, booked yet for the episode, but I I'm sure I will be able to get one. Um, However, that will not be next week. That will be, Two weeks from now, Uh, the plan is to take one week off, so there will be no break bias next week. So, just don't be expecting an episode to come out. The following week, that will be the breakies. I will have that pre-recorded anytime. And then the plan over the winter break is, sadly, um, to to take it off completely and, and come back. Um, in the next year refreshed. It has been a very difficult year uh, for me to just let you guys in for a little moment here. Um, I started off uh, pretty happy. Well, first of all, I did I do think I made the mistake of last year of of taking too much time off and not keeping the podcast going over the winter break. And I did notice my my numbers decline a little bit in terms of Downloads. Now, I do think that probably coincides a little bit with interest in Formula One in North America, especially declining as well um, with just Red Bull's dominance. And, you know, 2021 was obviously going to be a peak for obvious reasons. Um, that battle between Lewis and Max was so incredible for the sport, but things have died down a little bit as well. Um, but also on the podcast and production end, um, I started off on a great foot. My TikTok channel was actually growing pretty uh, rapidly at the beginning of the season. Um, the I, I had video going on my podcast, and I had some other things planned as well. Um, I had more interviews as planned and, and whatnot, and that all was kind of uh, put on pause because of um, just kind of where I where I recorded my podcast you know our basement flooded and I had really nowhere to do it for a little bit so it was difficult just to have the episodes continue to go on audio only like they have been for pretty basically a uh, half of the season now and I never really got it back going so that is something I want to do and I'm determined to do but I think I need to take the time off and really figure out how I'm going to do this next year moving forward. I want to, you know, put out a better product out there and not just the audio podcast, everything. I want the Break prize brand to be um, better than what it is right now. So I just think I need to take the time to first enjoy the holidays with, with family and then next year before we get going, um, you know, for like a Drive to Survive preview and then winter, uh, winter testing and whatnot – um, I, I need to figure out how I'm going to do that and how I'm going to move forward with the podcast. So, I do apologize. Um, unless there are there is huge news, um, maybe about like Andretti or something, then I would do like an emergency pod. Um, but the plan is to to not record at all over the winter until probably February. So, um, there will be quite some time off. I will still be on Twitter a little bit and maybe I'll come up with some new ideas to keep going on TikTok. But in terms of podcast episodes, yeah, it's going to be a bit of a break for myself. So the season's not over. The breakies are coming up next. So stay tuned for that. That will do it for episode 80 of break bias. I'm your host, Brad Kramer, and I'll be back not next week, but the week after for the breakies. My year end award episode is always a fun one. So You won't want to miss that. Goodbye.